You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I am Martina Cunha and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Welcome to Jesse and Steve Tomsko. They are the creators of Bolin the Musical. Jesse is the composer and lyricist and Steve is the book writer. This is a new musical and um, I'll let you both of you inst introduce yourselves. Go ahead, Jess. Oh, hi. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I'm Jesse. Uh, yeah, like Martin said, I'm the composer lyricist for Bolin. Um, I originally had the idea for the concept um, about four years ago and decided is, it is my first musical. It's my first project. So I had no idea what I was doing and I was very daunted by the scope of the project. And so my dad is a beautiful writer and a history buff, same as me. And so I approached my dad, Steve, to see if he wanted to write the book, write the script. And he said a resounding yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the way it was. Resounding. Well, I was, I was, I was intrigued and interested in it. Uh, I went, gee, I've never done that before. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? Let's take the bull from the horns and do this thing. Yeah. Let's do this thing. But, um, Steve, you've had experience writing scripts before? No, 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 no. I, I, I've, been, I've, I've been a writer and interested in writing my entire, pretty much my entire life. I went to school for English literature and journalism. Uh, and uh, after, after college, uh, I didn't get a job doing any of that. I've been in, I've been in computers and, and information technology ever since then. But I always continued to write. I had, I had a, a handful of uh, short stories published in, a, in, a, in some local literary magazines. Um, I've been working on a novel or two for for a long time. Uh, I, I enjoy writing, mostly from a historical kind of historical fiction kind of thing. I'm a, I am a history buff. I, most of what I read has, has been history. Uh, Jesse came up with the idea. I said, "Well, that sounds interesting." Having having seen uh, you know been a big fan of uh, A Man for All Seasons and The Six Wives of Henry VIII, a PBS series from the seventies. Yes, the 70s. You're going to um, date yourself. That's then, yeah, <laughs> I, but it was always, a, you know, it's a, it's a story that that just won't let go. And um, mm. and I thought that, well, let's see let's see if we can do, do, do this really justice and in a way that uh, has not yet been, has, has not been done before, which is the, which is the point. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, so it really, uh, it did, it did take on, uh, you know, it just took root. And, and I said, yeah, let's see what we can do with this. And uh, so far, so good. And we've both kind of been learning together because, like I said, it is my first musical as well. And I've since begun some other projects as well. But it, I, it was there was a lot to learn along the way. There was a huge learning curve at first. <laughs> and there still is. We're still figuring it out. Yeah, definitely a learning process mm -hmm. for me as, as well. I, I mean, knowing, you know, being very much involved in, in history, you know, I, I was very much... Uh, Geez, there, there are only about, I don't know, a hundred different sources of historical material on this, this one subject. Mm 
where do we begin? So, you know, it, it was a learning curve for, for me and a learning process all along the way. And uh, it's something that you really, it, it gets it gets to you. It really does. So, Steve, you're a journalist and you studied English. And Jesse, you're a musician, I guess. Yes. Yeah, so I have always been a musician. I actually have my degree in classical voice performance, of all things. I went to Westminster Choir College in Princeton, um, did a Bachelor of Music there. Um, and immediately uh, upon graduating, I kind of thought, I don't I don't think I really want to be an opera singer. <laughs> But I had this degree and thought, well, I'm two months away from graduation, I might as well finish that. Yeah, and, her, her, uh, mother, her mother and I were thrilled about that. By the way. <laughs> Just um, anyway, <laughs> um, so but what I did discover in college was a, a love for writing, specifically through the singer songwriter um, genre, because I had always been um, really into such artists as Joni Mitchell, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, James Taylor. Like I can thank my parents. I, I grew up listening to artists like. Elton John, The Beatles, Carole King, Carly Simon, like all these like great, you know, Bob Dylan, these great folky uh, and, and rock singer songwriters. And so and then into the 90s, when I was growing up, I was really into groups like Indigo Girls and Alanis Morissette and Ani DeFranco made me want to play guitar. Um, and so I discovered um, that I really liked the singer-songwriter world in college. I started playing some little coffee houses, and I'd do some occasional open mics. And I and I thought, you know, I obviously have a lot to learn. I have a lot to work on my craft, but I'm really excited by this much more than I than I was about pursuing um, a grad school degree in opera, a master's. I, I just didn't have that kind of fire and passion for that as much as I did enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I do enjoy going to the opera I, I really think it's fantastic um, but it wasn't for me so much in a career sense but I did feel kind of a fire uh, lit kind of a fire at the idea of pursuing a singer-songwriter path which I then did for a, a little while and I had a lot of fun with it I'm still doing it I, I always tell people I will always be a singer-songwriter no matter where I go what I do um, but then I, it kind of brought me to the idea of being a storyteller which I think as a folk singer-songwriter, you are a storyteller, that I felt like it naturally led me to musical theater composing, which I'd always always had an interest in musical theater, always had a love for it. That That's amazing. And it, it, it's so exciting that this is your first musical and this is your <laughs> first work together in, 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 in the musical theater genre. Um, how did this crazy project start? I guess I'll take that one to start. Yeah, yeah. she wrote. She wrote a song. <laughs> okay, so the I was. Rest is history. <laughs> so I was writing one night. I was up late, very late writing, as I sometimes do. I get very inspired in the wee hours of the morning, and so I was writing and um, just kind of messing around. Nothing special was was coming to me, and all of a sudden, I got this really random idea. I thought, what if Anne Boleyn wrote a contemporary-sounding folk song? from the Tower of London 
while awaiting her execution. It was doesn't so weird. Doesn't, and, and doesn't, like, have, doesn't everybody have those kind of thoughts? As you do. <laughs> and, and I was, it was so out of left field because at this point, this was like four years ago. This is, this was before any whisper of a show like six. Um, and I hadn't seen any depictions of her. It's all of a sudden she was like in my head and it was so weird that I almost laughed it off. But then I thought, well, this is a fun writing exercise. And so I, I wrote something that I, it like came to me in the space of an hour, this like completed song, start to finish. And I was so like blown away by it. And I, you know, I didn't think much more of it at the time. I went to bed feeling really happy and excited. And then the next morning I went back to it and I thought, you know, I think there's something here. I think I want to maybe dive into this and tell this story with everyone's voices using this kind of folky, uh, sort of like a layman's folk singer-songwriter kind of style. Um, and it kind of grew from there. But Jess, remind me, which what song was it? it it's called More Than a Man. Yeah, it's not even on the show anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we like we couldn't find a place for that actual song. It'll be like a B-side someday. Although it might come back in. I really don't know. We have so many songs. Like I literally have probably 75 songs written for this show that have well, gone back and forth, back and forth, and I don't know quite where it is right now. <laughs> and, and for my for my part, when this started started she sent me all of this music and all of these songs and, and, and a rough order of how it was supposed to be and so I looked at it and went well gee how do we get from this song to this song to this song to this song how does how does that work but that's and, the like an experience for you I was like right, here write some song right. write some script to this and that's, right and that's how it started and that and that kind of thing was like well gee Oh, Golly, we had a lot <laughs> what, to learn. What what happens? What happens now? What do we? Do? How do we do this? And so that's how we kind of both waded into it. And one thing waited. That's another. a good word. That's a good word. We waited yeah, into it because it was a complete like <laughs> like I didn't know what I was doing because music theater I tend to learn is unlike it's not a play. It's not a play with music. It's not mu. It's not just music. It's its own thing. Which yeah. I, mm -hmm. which, and and I had never sat down and said to myself, "Gee, I wonder if I want I should write a musical." And because of course I didn't do that. I have some musical background. My dad's a drummer. Yeah, I'm a drummer. My my wife my wife Great is a drummer. singer. She she teaches voice at NYU, but she joined a band that I was in, and that's how the whole thing got started. But yeah, music has, al has always been an important <laughs> a, a, an important part of of my life and and growing up. Uh, you know, there was, there's always music. There's always music. Always music, yeah. And, but, but to try and translate, oh yeah, I like music. Oh yeah, I like to write into something called a musical. It was, I really didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't, uh, but I, I've learned. And so, and even if I say so myself, it's not bad. <laughs> but to be fair, I didn't know either. Is I, I would say that I had a little more understanding of the musical theater genre than my dad did. But uh, when he says we waded into it, that's a very it's a very good description because we had no outline, we had no narrative. I was like, ah, oh, here's a bunch of songs. Let's just string them together. We'll have yeah. it inside of a year. It'll be great. <laughs> it was probably two two years before we went. Hey. What's this, what's this about? Anyway? What's this about? And, and, and that's sort of like, it, it. at first, when I first approached it, I almost had this kind of 
kind of like a concept album um, idea for it, which is very much you know how Hades Town started that way. And Hades Town has was always really inspiring to me because I was in love with the original concept album with Anais Mitchell singing on it, with Bonnie Vare and Ani DeFranco. And I just loved that album, loved the concept of this like folk opera kind of thing. And so that's kind of where I was working. And so I just originally thought, well, I'll have all of these songs for different moments throughout Anne Boleyn's life and we'll just tell her life story. And we quickly came to realize that that's kind of boring. You can't just tell a life story. Like we didn't have an angle. We didn't have like a a true narrative and what, what are we actually saying? So that took some time to figure out. Yeah. I mean, we started doing all of this historical research, which is where you have to start somewhere, but it ended up being like, well, this happens, then this happens, then this happens. That's a documentary. That's Mm -hmm. not a music. That's Mm -hmm. not a music. So, okay. And it's boring. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah boring, nobody, but... nobody, nobody's going to want to watch this. Exactly. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah. So then we kind of took, took a step back and said, okay, we got to rethink mm. this. Not, the music is still there and the music is, the, the music is, is fabulous. Oh. Uh, but the, you know, we, it has to tell a story. It has to be emotional. It has to resonate. Yeah. Um, you know, with with the with an audience. If you don't do that, you don't have anything. Which maybe so, seems obvious, but I, yeah. like that's just a sign of our inexperience writing in the genre. Well, when you're in the middle of it, you, you literally can't see the forest for the trees. You just can't because yeah. you know you're, you're just in the weeds. You just don't know where where you are or which direction you're headed. Uh, but that does, you know, that evolves, and and you do get to a point where okay, I think we we know where we are with this. And that's kind of where we are now. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that there won't be changes. Uh, it, it seems to me that that is a, uh, you know, everything I've read, everything I've heard, uh, if it's not changing, something's wrong. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what do they say? That great expression shows musicals are not written, they're rewritten. They're rewritten. That, that's mm-hmm. so, it's so true. It's yeah. amazing. If it gives you some insight, I'm going to quote one of my favorite teachers from college. Um, we did a, a musical theater show together. One day we were, we were like um, a month away from the premiere, and um, she sat the whole cast down and she said, "Let me tell you one thing. Musical theater is for people on acid or another drug because who the hell starts <laughs> singing and dancing out of the blue?" And that really stuck with me. So I understand you when you say it's not a play. It's not a play with music. It's not. It, it's it's it, it's a whole new weird thing. Um, mm. And so I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, and and it's it's really really crazy. And I have one question for you, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Why the hell Hambo Lynn? Like out of the blue, you were in that night. And you were like, mm, Anne Boleyn, mm, from the Tower of London, wait, wait, let's write much, something. How much time, how much time do we <laughs> so have? How much time do you have? No, I, I, I don't know. I truly don't know. I don't know where it came from. Like I said, I had not watched or read anything about her. I think I had watched, I well, I've seen it many times. I'd rewatched the movie Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett, but probably a good six months before. So it, it there was, I don't know. I don't know where she came from. I, I will say that I've always... Um, I've always been fascinated by her story ever since. I think, you know, in, in this country, we don't, in, in high school, we don't have much time to like really dive into uh, 
the histories of other countries. You spend like a second, and I don't know how it is now, but you spend like a very minuscule amount of time on the history of other nations. And so I remember getting a little bit of um, British history, but it was all very surface and it was on the way to just learning American history. Um, because it's all you really have time for. And then when I got to college, I was able to take a Western civilization course, but you know, you only have so many credits available to you. And so everything that I've researched um, and read about her has all just been kind of on my own. Um, but I remember I was probably about fourth grade, which is, you know, you're about nine or 10 when I first heard the story of Henry VIII and his six wives and how he had his, you know, second wife beheaded. And I remember in my 10 year old brain, first of all, I was trying to like wrap my mind around this idea of being beheaded, first of all, and like just kind of not understanding. <laughs> but I remember thinking, what? Like, that's crazy. This, this one, what everything this one man said was law. And what? And how could he, how could he, kill his wife and I just remember um just being kind of like morbidly fascinated with that at 10 years old and so anytime growing up I would see there'd be like a new movie or a new show or a book about like the Tudors or Henry or Anne I would read it or I'd watch it because I thought it was always really interesting and I thought that um it was really amazing how this how this woman rose to become the most powerful woman in the land when she herself was not from royalty. Um, I mean, you could trace her lineage a little bit back to like Edward the whatever third, but who couldn't? Anyway, it's all very incestuous. <laughs> British history, <laughs> the monarchy is kind of incestuous. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I always was in love with her story and I just, I never certainly never imagined writing anything about her. Um, which is why that idea was so strange. But um, but I'm glad that I did because I've loved learning about her and I've loved writing about her. And I would I would add to that that once upon a time, not lately, that 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 small bit of, of English history was fairly well known. I mean, most people knew about it. It's astounding to me that you can actually run into people today, and you say Anne Boleyn, and they go who. And, it, and, and to me, it's like, what, you live under a rock or something? How but could I, you not know? Because this is a story right. that has endured for 500 years, despite the fact that Henry VIII tried to erase her from history. That didn't really work out for him. That's the most amazing out. part. That's the most amazing yeah. part. He, he tried, tried to, which is why you do find a lot of uh, historical sources with where Henry wrote things and that sort of thing but you have very little that Anne Boleyn actually wrote herself because they destroyed most of mm -hmm. it so but the so the fact that he tried to do that and 500 years down the road and it's still fascinating mm -hmm. so it's it's something that just just sticks with you it, once you once you start to learn a little bit at least for me once you learn a little bit you want to know more what really happened how did it how could it come to this and do it in an interesting and different kind of way. So this is the challenge. Yeah, she had quite the impact, Anne Boleyn. And, and, you know, one thing that I always thought was interesting is that I feel like you can generally, like, walk down the street and say to someone, who is Anne Boleyn? And, and you know, you if, if you get a, you know, recognition of that name, they might say, oh, yeah, she had her head cut off. That's kind of the one thing people remember. Yeah, but that, if you was, say, that would be the one pit piece but if that you say, people might have heard of. But if you say, who is Catherine Howard? I mean, this is a, a, 
pre-six world everyone a lot of music theater fans now know who Catherine Howard is because of that show but before that I think the average person you'd say who's Catherine Howard you probably wouldn't get um any glimmer of recognition there but Mm -hmm. she also was beheaded by Mm -hmm. Henry VIII and so what is it about Anne Boleyn that is different and that's kind of where we're at so in terms of the creative process and all the research you had to do what are the perspectives of the events that you are using to tell the story because you you just said that if you only said the story of Anne Boleyn it was going to be a documentary and probably it's go- it was going to be boring so what is that plot twist or that that um magic thing you both worked on to make it interesting and making and and and, and like try to catch the audience I, i can start with this one Go ahead. Okay. um and first of all i'll say first it's things we're still figuring out but i think the the angle that we are now going for is well we're trying to we're trying to paint as accurate a picture as possible we're trying to depict the events as as historically accurately as we can um but what we are trying to do is make Anne Boleyn the uh she is the one driving the bus she is the one who is the protagonist she finally she's getting her own story because so often you think of Anne Boleyn as just you know being part of Henry's circle and you have these women kind of just circling Henry like he is the son you know and and I think this is interesting to give Anne her own agency and make her the one who is not just reacting to things and uh, but she's the one who is you know pulling the strings and so i think that that's kind of the angle we're going for this this woman who was quite far ahead of her time and really wanted to say over her own life and her own destiny and she was determined to not be used and abused and tossed off and she was determined to be worthwhile and i think that that while many women at the time probably had those feelings that longing for agency it was so difficult for them to achieve it and and you know we you could say that many people believe that Anne came to the english court like hell bent on stealing another woman's husband and she was like ready to do what she had to do to like get put the crown on her like vain head and she didn't care who she like stomped on along the way we don't believe that's what happened so i think she sort of inadvertently i think it inadvertently happened to her and eventually she she did what she had to do she she took a situation that was spiraling out of control with henry when he was trying to get her, get her and courting her and uh she realized he wasn't going away i think she decided to then make the most of those circumstances so that's sort of does that answer your question the the, the sort of angle we're giving it do you want to add to that yeah. dad uh you know well it's ju- just in the sense that um most of the way that and has been depicted in the last 400 years we are and also not that we just made this up based on um his historical works that have been done especially in the last 8 to 10 years where she was not a you know manipulative ambitious just uh, you know completely uh, devoid of emotion kind of person and all she wanted was to get ahead and to Well to somebody. quote a contemporary source a quote the goggle-eyed whore yes, is what yes. she was called uh, yes, by a contemporary yes. source yeah But you know she was 
very she was refined she was very educated she was talented she she had she had a lot to offer she was not royalty but she had that something special i guess they would call it the it factor the je ne sais quoi yeah whatever she had something because she she was very interesting to men and if you were interesting to men that's what you needed to be back in the back in the 1500s if you if you but were not interesting, too interesting but not but just, <laughs> but just falling just short of you know making them want want more or maybe want something that they couldn't have mm. she was just very um she was very alluring that way and ultimately she did what she could to use that to her advantage but not in the way that it is depicted in most mm. in most stories with her Thank we you. say we say that that's wrong and we're right <laughs> you could argue back and forth with people yes. there are many people that have you know different opinions on on her and the role that she played we tend to feel that she um it was not she's not the villainous uh concubine that everyone likes to portray her as this conniving like deviant we don't and we so. think that is interesting yeah we do. interesting that that's the that's the that's the image that endures because it's sexy it's spicy people love it's tabloid uh, journalism and that's what sells and and it somehow is less interesting people think it's less interesting that maybe she well she wasn't she wasn't that deviant Somehow that doesn't tell as sensational a story, but we think it tells a more sensational, more interesting story, actually. That, that is amazing. And I know that it must be great to give that perspective to such a villainous historical character. Um, I want to I talk about now about production. Mm-hmm. How has it been? Um, I, I know that you've le- released and recorded some songs, um, but are you going to release a cast recording? Uh, are you going to try to do a pro shot? Or, or um, yeah, let, walk me through the production of, of what you've done at the moment. Sure. Um, so at this point, like I, I think we said, it's been in the works for about four and a half years. Um, and we've done, I mean, in, in, in the pre-COVID world, we did quite a number of showcases and we did readings and it was, it was really, um, it was getting somewhere and then everything has, um, you know, taken a, a couple, it feels like a couple steps back in the last six to eight months, but we've been trying to stay really forward thinking and we're trying to stay creative. So yeah, we've got, we have um, a number of videos and song demos that are coming out. We're rolling out slowly with some really phenomenal Broadway singers. I don't want to give anything away because we have some fun surprises coming in the next few weeks and months, but because um, we, we want to, you know, can keep presenting the new material and keep people excited. Yes, Broadway is shut down kind of indefinitely. Live theater is, is not happening really um, in, in the sense that we're all used to, but I don't think that's any reason for us to stop being creative. And yes, I would love to do a cast recording. Um, we had talked about that and then we really haven't been back to that since, since COVID sort of stopped everything. Um, but we're still working. We've done some virtual readings. 
We have more virtual readings on the books. They've all been um, like private internal readings. It would be great if we could get a public one at some point when we feel like the material is ready. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at this point, the, the show is, it's, it's feeling really cohesive and I'm excited about where all the music is at. I just, even over the past summer, I wrote like three or four new songs that I'm for moments that we found that needed something. Um, like I said, I think I have like 75 songs in total for this show. They're not all in the show, but like I've written that many um, and just trying to find what fits. Um, so I, I feel like right now what we're looking at is just this big, you know, jigsaw puzzle and we're just sort of assembling things right now. And every time we, we read it, we learn more. Every time we do a virtual reading, we learn. Those are really enlightening Um so we're just yeah we're keep we're gonna keep working and keep releasing stuff and hopefully get you know people will still just continue to be excited about it even though live theater is still you know on pause for right now do you want to add to that dan uh well you know i think we we're using we're, we're doing our best to take advantage of this pause we, yeah for you sure know, it's it is giving us an opportunity to possibly maybe just slow down just a little bit because as you just heard jesse has about 75 songs that's typically too many this is usually <laughs> too many show. it's a little too many by uh, about 40 <laughs> but, but even and even so as we learn through these readings and sort of things i mean this is a historical kind of thing and and we're and especially especially me i'm trying to be as historically accurate accurate as possible because that's kind of my thing but we have had to mess with the timeline a little bit. We've had to, we've had to leave some, some historical characters who were very important at the time during the whole when the thing actually happened. Uh, people like Thomas Cranmer and Thomas Moore, who were very important, but they had to go to the cutting room floor. I mean, we just everyone's didn't have named Thomas, to, by the way. Yeah, yeah, everybody's <laughs> named Thomas. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's like it's, ten we've got Thomases. like six Thomases in the show. <laughs> Uh, every, I don't know what it was about that name, but uh, but it was uh, you know it's the kind of thing where it's it's given us given us the opportunity to to just kind of refine refine things uh, where and not rush anything. We want to keep moving forward, but it's uh, we're trying to use this time to our advantage rather than uh, rather than thinking of it as oh my god when are we wasting our time yeah a lot of a lot of people are feel that way yeah. uh now they just feel like the whole, the whole world is stopped and it's never going to start again well that's not true i've been around a long time i've seen a lot of <laughs> crap <laughs> and and things do pass and this too will pass this too will pass and and one thing that my director said our director said to us um in the last draft was um we're, we're trying to kind of get into the holes of history, like get into the private moments that were not recorded. Um, Cause there is a lot that survives like source material that survives um, from, you know, contemporary accounts and chronic chroniclers. Um, but what I think is more interesting is what, what was not, what was not chronicled. And I think that's where we're kind of, really unleashing our creativity and so it's been really um lovely to have just a little bit of um extra still time creative time um where we feel like we've been able to just yeah just dive in deeper there's no deadline we're kind of rushing toward at this point so we're just just creating 
creating and taking it easy. And I'm really excited for what's to come um, because I've, I've, I've listened a lot of times to the song you released with Jane, Jane Bruce. Mm -hmm. I had her in a previous episode here um, yeah. because I met her in January and she is, her talent is just overwhelming. She is amazing. And I'm really excited that you're going to keep releasing songs. Yeah, for sure. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a nice way to keep active something that unfortunately due to covid had to be shut down so so violently so um, yeah that's what my director said like even though theater has has you know kind of stopped it doesn't mean that creativity has stopped the muse has not stopped <laughs> last thing i want to talk uh, about is What are the future plans for both of you? Like, Steve, you, you've just immersed yourself in script writing. Are you, are you going to try that again? Or are you, yes, yes, will I you am. do I mean, that? Immer immersed, immersed is a good word because when mm -hmm. I'm not doing other things, which, you know, I, I have, I have where I work, I still work, I have a job, I have a job, I have to, you know, do that. <laughs> uh, but beyond that, it is, you know, it's this kind of project for me anyway i mean other people are different but for me i need to focus i need to focus on 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 one one major thing um and this is such a big thing because we're you know we're covering we're covering the last 11 years of Anne boleyn's life 11 years is a long time to cover yeah and and especially when people don't know but they will if they see the show It took seven years from the time Henry wanted to bring Anne into his life to the time they got married. Seven years. Yeah. Okay? And then the, then the rest of it kind of went pretty fast after that, comparatively speaking. So, that, so to try and sift through all of the information and, and what, what makes sense to our story and what doesn't kind of thing. It is a very immersive kind of thing. Beyond that, uh, I do have a, a novel I wish to finish that is also historical in nature, a little more recent history. Uh, and I also, um, I, I'm going to try my, my hand at another a play, a script that has to do with Oliver Wendell Holmes and... Um, And and um, and his his group of, of people people like people like Henry David Thoreau and all these guys knew each other back in the 18th century and there was a movement called the Transcendental Movement that was a a weird thing that a lot of people don't know about but it's a very interesting uh, it's an interesting story I don't know what the plot is yet but I'll get there <laughs> I think you will and for you Jesse. Um, so in addition to Boleyn, I do have another musical that I have written this year that is, I actually just launched the social media for it yesterday because I've been keeping it sort of, um, quiet. I, I have been writing it for almost a year and it's about, if anyone is a fan of Wuthering Heights and the Bronte sisters, it is about, uh, Emily Bronte 
as she is writing her her great creation, Wuthering Heights, a classic novel. And so it's about her journey as a, you know, a female writer in the 1800s with a masculine pseudonym and, and her kind of wild and boundless imagination that, that these characters she's writing, they just jump off the page as she is writing them. Um, and so it's kind of tells this doomed story of her, the lovers, Kathy and Heathcliff, through just a different lens, through um, Emily Bronte's eyes. So that's in the process um i do have i mean if if the world were uh you know not kind of shut down right now i would say that show is relatively workshop ready i feel really good about where it is um and then i had just had actually another idea for another musical the other week that i may be co-writing with a friend of mine but i don't quite know what it is yet but there's something happening with it i don't know there's <laughs> something cooking up exactly it's early days but um yeah, so I just, I, I, um, I love, I just love to write. I just want to write as much as I possibly can for as long as I can. Well, thank you, the both of you. I know that either your new musicals or your novels, Steve, will be a success. Thank you thank so you. much for being here. Um, uh, I'm really happy. lips to God's ears, <laughs> <laughs> as they say. I'm really happy to have you both here, um, and I cannot wait for what's to come for Bolin. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be checking out social media platforms for the new songs and whatever you release um, because I love the first song and, and I know it's going to be a success and hopefully we can take it to a Broadway or of Broadway house so oh please best wishes <laughs> on there um, well, and thank you for your time and interest and uh, I hope we can talk again yeah your, sure. your support you know people like you it's just we 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 creators we need people we need people to support our work i mean as much as we want to say i mean sometimes i i do feel like writing itself is a reward of course the, the creative process is wonderfully fulfilling but i'd be lying if i said i didn't want my creations to never leave my house you know we what you want you want people to get excited about your material and have it resonate with someone somewhere so that is just really um, i'm very grateful to you and I'm people like you it's just we really need you so thank you And trust me, I'll do my best to do as much sound I can to this musical. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, do you have any last words because, be, before we go? Mm -hmm. uh, no, just thanks again. And um, I hope you will, uh, uh, you know, hope you keep following us. And then we'll, um, you know, we really, uh, it's hard work. You know that? <laughs> It is hard work. It is hard work. So to have anyone sh show appreciation and interest in it is is definitely a blessing. Thank you. I agree. I would also say thank you and, and thank you to the listeners for tuning in and um, hope that you'll follow us and, you know, we'll have some more exciting and fun content very, very soon. Before we go, where, where, where can they follow you? What social, oh. what, what social media platforms are you using? Fantastic. So um, both the Bolin page, we have a Bolin on Instagram. It's at Bolin Musical. It's also the same for YouTube, uh, YouTube slash Bolin Musical. We also have a Facebook page, Bolin Musical. Um, you can find my website at jessetomskomusic.com. There's also a tab on the page for Bolin. Um, and they can find, people can find my other, my personal Instagram is at jessetomsko. 
um, that's kind of my my writing page. And then I also have um, a Facebook page, Josie Tomsko. And if they want to follow the new show that I'm working on, it's uh, on Instagram at in Emily's words. And I almost forgot one question I always ask my guests. <laughs> Top five uh, for the both of you. Um, I'm not going to restrict it to musical theater, but top five theater or musical theater shows. Go. Okay, I'll go. Uh, oh, God, it's so hard. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just like fangirl for Stephen Sondheim because that's what it is. Um, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, uh, Sunday in the Park with George are the top three. And then I would say... Um, You know, I love the mystery of Edwin Drood, and I love The Secret Garden. And I think for those you, are my top five. Well, four of those are, are mine. Secret Garden, <laughs> those three Sondheims, but I like Guys and Dolls. Ah, oh, yeah, Classic Guys Classic. and Dolls. Lovely. <laughs> I do love that one. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's great. It's great. I do think Adelaide's Lament is probably one of the like most perfect music theater songs like ever written. <laughs> well, yeah. thank you so much. It's been thank really you, fun. It's been really, really awesome. fun. So let, let's let's talk soon. I'm I'm really excited for the both of you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. Bye bye. Nice to meet you, Martin. Nice to meet bye you bye. too. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.